0: Shabbat Shalom! I want to start by sharing a growing feeling that I've had for the last few weeks especially, but it's been there for a long time, that it's becoming harder and harder to try to connect with other people. I even gave a whole sermon about this in Rosh Hashanah and talked about Martin Buber and I apologize for everyone who went out and read I and Thou. Um, it's quite difficult but uh, yeah, it's good, it's good. There feels like there's growing and growing, not a lack of desire for connection to be sure, but harder to find ways to connect both logistically but also spiritually and Uh, politically and emotionally with others. And this is a time when we're all seeking that connection in very real ways. And in the Parsha that we read this morning, essentially every vignette that we see is about seeking connection. In the beginning, when Rivka has this pain inside of her. She has these, these children and they're striving inside and she has this pain and she doesn't know what to do and so the Torah says that she telech Hashem, that she just goes and asks, asks God why and what's going on. First of all I didn't realize this was an option for all of us. Maybe it's just for Rivka but she has the ability apparently for whatever reason to just go and ask God, hey God, what's up? And God answers and tells her and she feels Better, and she moves on, and she has gotten her promise. Later, we see the interactions between Avimelech and Yitzchak in Gerar, this non Jewish king, very much about connection seeking and what their relationship is going to be, and what it will be between their descendants moving forward. And there's a back and forth with, again, this motif of Isaac pretending that Rebekah's his sister, and then Avimelech figuring out that they're actually married, and sort of he gets upset, saying, what, what, did you think I was going to do something? Why would you pretend? And there's a rift that happens between the two of them because of this. And eventually Yitzchak has to move. And there's a scene right at the end of that I think it's incredibly important because Yitzchak's shepherds were told redig the wells that his father Avraham had dug and that the non-Jews in the area had intentionally blocked to try to get them to move out. There's something about that in this moment of seeking connection of needing to redig these wells of connection, of sustenance that were once there but have been blocked either intentionally or not. And finally, the scene of seeking connection par excellence in this parsha is that of Jacob and Esau, both seeking the love and connection and blessings of their father, and the moment there, but then in the way that the two of them interact with each other after the blessing has been stolen and the deception has been done. And in this moment, we actually don't see connection but the opposite. As we talked about earlier today, when Isaac finds out how angry Esau is about the birthright, what does he do? He runs away. He runs away and he's gone for years and years and years until he returns. And he, when he returns, there is some sort of reproach between between Esau and Jacob, but it's unclear what it is and if it ever really fully gets there. And what we, the reader, know is that the rabbis say the descendants of Esau become Rome, become the non-Jewish world around us. And I actually want to posit in this moment that that, Right there, the verse where Isaac decides to run away instead of facing Esau, I think is the most catastrophic verse for the Jews in the entire Torah. There's a lot that's bad for the Jews in the Torah. And there are a lot of moments of slavery, and there's a lot of moments of oppression, but we get out of Egypt, God comes and helps us and gets us out. The rift between the non-Jewish world and the Jewish world that starts in this moment when Jacob steals the birthright and then flees is one we are still facing today. Would that they had stayed and figured some way to live in peace and harmony together so that what happened to them, this connection that they are still seeking, when the failure to do so wouldn't be passed on to their descendants. Because we're all seeking this connection today. Now earlier this week, many of us participated in this uh, phenomenal moment of connection at this rally in D.C. earlier this week. This was a moment Really of seeking connection, and I'm not talking about the signs that people held up that said I'm single Uh, That's one other kind of seeking connection Uh, Or the my favorite I saw someone said uh, if you're worried about the Jewish future Let's get married and someone's phone number The entire rally was one of seeking connection in two huge and important ways. It was the Jewish people of this country standing up and saying, we are here, see us, hear us, acknowledge us. And it was also a seeking of connection between all of the Jews. Because as we have seen in our world, there are a lot of moments of disconnect. There are moments of disconnect and fear of disconnect that we see. Within our Jewish community, there are huge areas where we're worried that we're disconnected. We're worried we're disconnected about religious issues, we're worried we're disconnected about political issues, we're worried we're disconnected about Israel. And there's polls after polls going around showing the way that the different breakdown of how someone is connected to Israel, what they think about Israel and how it goes, and of course, what is the number one? the number one indicator of how someone is going, how connected or supportive or whatever the right metric is of Israel, what is it? Age. Exactly right. Um, This was put out. Uh, I think beautifully uh, by Ezra Klein recently um, and uh, in his podcast with Sharon Brous, uh, where he basically lays out the reasons in many ways for this disconnect. He says there is a generation of Jews in America who cannot think of Israel as anything but the startup nation, the underdog, attacked again and again and again by its neighbors that needs our help. That is the Israel that won the the oldest generation in our society knows and sees and is real. And there's a bridge generation that knows Israel both as somewhat of an underdog, but mostly I've never known Israel as anything but a global superpower, one of the strongest in the world and certainly the strongest in the area. I've also I'm in this generation, I've also known an Israel with great and noble leaders doing their best to try to make Israel the nation that we all need and want it to be, working towards peace, showing up to summits, doing what they can and have faith in that leadership. And there is a younger generation that has known Israel as nothing but the strongest of strong that has been moving further and further away from inclusion, further and further towards the right, further and further towards closing off, further and further towards oppression of others. And their experience is real. Their experience of what they know Israel to be, whether it is empirically what Israel is or not, is true. And so that divide is a real divide that we see. And there's more divides within our country. There's divides in this country. People are worried about anti-Semitism. Yes, it's getting better. Worse, excuse me. Yes, right. It's wishful thinking. But people are worried about anti-Semitism coming from different areas. Some are worried about anti-Semitism rising on the left. Some are worried about anti-Semitism rising on the right. Some are worried about anti-Semitism amongst the Jews. Some are worried about anti-Semitism coming from not the Jews. We're worried about it in all of these different places, and we're also worried to share those fears with each other because we're worried that we will be judged or we will be denigrated or we will lose our friends or whatever it is if we voice those opinions. And of course there is a disconnect between the Palestinians and between Israelis. I just want to share a brief vignette in this moment. I, uh, In college, I ate in a co-op at Oberlin, because that's what Oberlin does. And the co-op was um, kosher and halal. We all ate together in that co-op there. And so I have friends who are from Palestine, uh, Palestinians from Gaza, Palestinians from the West Bank, who ate in the co-op with me. I. Did uh, three years I lived in Israel, and I did work in the West Bank, I did work with Arab Israelis, um, In I worked in Sderot, I worked in the areas that were attacked with Jews and with Muslims who were there. So I have many people that I follow on social media and I've been watching the social media posts from uh, Palestinian friends who live in Israel and from my friends who live in Israel and I have to say there was a moment, and I, I wish I had screenshot it, but I don't really know how to do that, but I wish that I had because I a friend a Palestinian friend who lives in Yaffa who posted something one day and a Israeli friend who also lives in Yaffa who posted something and they were the exact same words they were worried they both posted on the same day does the global community care about us our people are dying we need help we all feel the same way in this and we're all seeking this connection and in these moments we end up with these blockages where basically one person is saying I won't acknowledge your feelings until you acknowledge my feelings well I won't acknowledge your feelings until you acknowledge my feelings and we end up with this fundamental divide and disconnect and it's causing us to be afraid it's causing us to feel alone and it's causing us to be worried at a time when we need to be together we need to find allies we cannot fight the world alone, just us. We are far too small for that. We need to reach out to others and we need to build connections. So we go back to our Parsha and we see different modalities for doing that. Perhaps there are times where we, like Rivka, have a connection and we can, we can just walk over and ask. And I've been saying this to many people, uh, and I I won't out who they were, but I did a Zoom for college students from our community, and I had a few people on, and we were talking about what to do, and one person said, you know, I have a friend who I'm friendly with, and we're in classes together, and, uh, you know, we, we really like each other. And I saw them at a protest where they were saying, you know, from the river to the sea and horrible things, and I don't know what to do about that. And I said, you know, that sounds like you could go talk to them if you really know them well and you're friends. And I bet you, like Rivka and God, you could just telech Walk over and start a conversation. Say, hi, I saw you at the thing. Can we talk a little bit about it? Because if we have those connections already, whether they're amongst our friends, our family, or others, we have that ability, the connections already there, to just go and talk about it. It takes a measure of bravery to be sure, but it is probably the best way to actually change hearts and minds and actually continue to build off connections that we have. Find those people that we can just reach out to. And there are times where there are wells that need to be redug. There are rifts in our community, there are rifts in our families, there's rifts between communities and friends. The wells have gone dry, or the wells were intentionally blocked up. And we need to do the work of digging them out again. Finding the sustenance below, the well springs of water and life that can connect us and… Hi guys. <laughs> All right. uh, shabbat Shalom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, where was I? Wells that were redug. that's right. And the last one, friends, is, it's by the way, it's my kid, it's okay. And the last one is the Jacob and Esau moment, where he, Jacob turns his back and flees. And there are times where there are people in the world Well, we need to do that, too. Please don't mishear me. There are anti-Semites that are out there and hate us. There are people whose minds cannot be changed. There are people who just, for whatever reason, will never find a connection. But there are many, 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 many people that that is not true of. And we cannot follow in the footsteps of our ancestor Jacob and run away. We cannot do it. We have to stay in the conversation, we have to stay in the global population, we have to stay in the broader community here around us, and we have to connect with our friends and family, even if we're worried that we disagree, even if we're angry about the views that they have, even if they're angry at us. There's a lot of things to be angry about. There's things we feel deeply and passionately about, but we have to find the strength to keep the connection there. We cannot run away. We cannot disengage. We cannot shut someone down or shut someone off just because of a view that they hold or a thing that we think that they've said or they've done. We need to be able to have connections. Jacob and Esau, they couldn't reconcile and the schism affected their descendants for thousands of years. So we need to do our best to not write people off for what they have or what they are or who they are. Now, there was a moment at the rally that got me, I think, the most. And it was right at the beginning. At the very beginning of the rally, when 290,000 people stood up and sang Hatikva. <laughs> and Ken turned to me to say something and just saw tears sobbing down my cheeks. And just, okay, Because that was this fundamental moment of the Jewish people standing in front of the Capitol building standing in front of our legislators at work, standing in front of a nation that has been the greatest home that our people have known, and singing Ko'on Belevav, We still have this hope for what our country can be. We still have this hope for what our country can be, because we're blessed with two. We still have hope, and we want to be heard and seen for what that is and what it can be. And we are all singing it together. People who came from different places, people who come from different walks of life, people who are worried about different things, people who are scared of different things. Everyone came together in that moment to sing of a hope that we have and a strength that we have. We need to go to those moments to redig the wells. We need to go to those moments of singing to reach out to the people next to us, and we need to hold that song in our hearts as we find the strength to not run away from those that we disagree with, but in fact continue to seek and build those connections. Shabbat shalom.